You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venezia, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. These are my wages that my lovers have given me. So I will make them a forest, and the beasts of the field shall come and eat them. Okay, let me ask you these questions. Has God done anything like this in your life? Is there some famine going on, some great need or want? Why has he allowed that to happen? To bring you back to himself. Don't you get it? That's the reason why. Has it ever felt like God was punishing you? Maybe something unexpected happened or something goes wrong in your life. Is that actually punishment? In today's message, Pastor Mike asks if you've ever had a moment like that and begs the question, why? God is a lot of things, but unjust isn't one of them. It's important to remember that by default, we are fallen and deserve consequence. Through Jesus, we can be redeemed. So if we act in a way that compromises that redemption, why shouldn't he stop it? Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Genesis chapter 42 as he continues his message, Our Conscience and God. things lacking in your life right now it may be because of the fact that God is just simply and it's you know what it's a demonstration of love not not necessarily even judgment although it might be judgment that's something again that you ought to question it's also something you ought to bring before God and and uh you know in prayer but anyway God moved how did he move he brought a famine he brought a bit of material want into their lives So they, as one writer put it, could no longer remain outwardly content in the land of Canaan, but were forced out of their peaceful backyard pond into new waters. Think about that. Listen, Egypt was the last place that these guys would have chosen to visit. I mean, what if they meet up with Joseph? Now, I I, I don't know, know what the probability of that would have been, I mean, Egypt is a very large nation at this time, as I mentioned before. So I don't know what the, you know, the probability would have been that even if they went down there to purchase food to bring home to dad to sustain the family, that they might eventually uh, become the nation through which the Messiah uh, would come. What's the probability that they would run into Joseph? I mean, 13 years. Joseph might have been dead by then, by now, right? And uh, at best, he's uh, a slave in someone's home. So what's the probability? 
But you see, that's what conscience does to you, right? There may not even be a prob probability of you making restitution for the thing that your conscience is gnawing away at you, but nevertheless, it's there, and it'll beat you down. It'll make you miserable. I got to tell you something. There are things, and, and unfortunately, it's been too long a period of time where I can even make restitution for the things that I've done in the past, but somehow they're still in my subconscious, and I find myself at times dreaming these crazy dreams and going back to that place, and I wake up, and I'm thinking, oh, man, I, I can't even believe that I've done something like that. You know what I'm talking about? That's your conscience. It's a Man, listen to your conscience immediately, right? Don't blow it off. Don't beat it down. Don't silence it. God help you, right? So, I mean, what if they meet up with Joseph? How would they deal with what they had done to him? How would they explain that? But there's no food. The people will starve. It's go or perish. You see, God is forcing the issue. Listen, a sovereign God is working here, and the famine was his first weapon to awaken, awaken conscience in these men's lives. Now, you know, as I was thinking about this and uh, reading some other commentaries and stuff, I can't help but think of the book of Hosea, which actually amplifies this truth that God is working. God is always working, and particularly in the lives of of his people. Are you familiar with the story of Hosea? Very interesting. You know, Hosea, the whole entire book of Hosea is really a pageant, if I may place it in that category. And in that pageant, Hosea becomes a type of God the Father. And his wife, who happened to be a prostitute, whose name was Gomer, happens to be a type of the nation of Israel. Or just consider her one of God's people. And in that analogy, in that pageant, that's what they represent. So Hosea is a type of God the Father, and Gomer is his wife. Now, I, you know, would you marry, by the way, this isn't in my notes, but would you marry a woman whose name was Gomer? Anyway, uh, that should have been a red flag there for Hosea. But anyway, uh, and Gomer becomes a type of the nation of Israel, or all believers. Now, what's crazy about that story, what's really crazy about that book of the Bible, is God instructs Hosea. And again, he, he wants to present this pageant before Israel uh, to help them to understand what they have themselves been guilty of. So God instructs Hosea, who's a prophet, right? He's a prophet called by God. He instructs him to go down to this red light district where prostitution is you know, going on and find one of these prostitutes who's going to be unfaithful. He even lets Hosea know that she's going to be unfaithful. Immediately, she might be willing to marry you. But after a while, you know, all of what you provided for her, she's going to throw right back in your face. And she's going to be unappreciative of all that you've done. And she's going to go after these other men. She's going to go a whoring, if you will. She's going to commit spiritual fornication. She's going to go after these other men, even as Israel went after these other gods. Do you see the analogy here? That's what the book of Hosea is. Really interesting book. If you've never read it, you should, you should read it. But anyway, immediately, Hosea finds this prostitute. He takes her as his own, as his own wife. He provides more than graciously you know, for her. And, uh, but she, again, is unappreciative, even as Israel and all of the advantages that was Israel's in their relationship with God was unappreciated and turned 
and went after these other gods. So anyway, that's the setup for the book of Hosea. And in Hosea chapter 2, in verse 5, we read, Hosea chapter 2 and verse 5, For their mother has played the harlot. Now this is Gomer. She who conceived them has behaved shamefully, for she said, I will go after my lovers. So she's going to, you know, blow off uh, Hosea, and she's going to go after these other men who give me my bread and my water. That was her perception. She thought that these other men, even as Israel thought that they would find fulfillment and satisfaction and provision going after these other gods, you see, in this analogy, who give me bread and my water, my wool and my linen, my oil and my drink. Now, that was her perception, but she was absolutely wrong. You see, as you read on, you discover that her lovers failed her. And it was actually Hosea who provided those items for her. And then in verse 8, we read in that same chapter, for she did not know, notice, for she did not know, that I gave her grain. And again, in this analogy, Hosea is a type of God the Father. So it was actually God providing for Israel, that I gave her grain, new wine, and oil, and multiplied her silver and gold, which they prepared for Baal, which was a false uh, god. So the the gracious provision by her rejected husband, Hosea, was meant to soften Gomer's heart, bring her back to Hosea, just as God's gracious provision for us is to meant to draw us to him as well. That's the God that I know. That's the God whom I serve. Even when we turn away from God, he's still there, and he still provides for us. I don't know why. You know, it's at that point God would be absolutely right and correct to just write us off, to just blow us off and say, man, you know, how many times? I mean, I know, Mike, you know better than that. How many times? You know what? Forget about you, and I'm just going to blow you off. I'm just going to write you off. You've crossed over the line. You know, as the scripture says in the book of Genesis, my spirit shall not always strive with man. Now, I'm not going to stand before you this morning and suggest, you know, that where that line is, and when a person steps over it, God says, enough with him, blow him off. But you know what? I hope that you're not standing very close to that line, any of you, because it could happen. And again, your conscience is seared. You've silenced your, your conscience. So Gomer would not allow God's bounty to turn her from sin. So next, what does God do? He takes away all of her necessities. Verses 9 through 12. Therefore, I will return and take away my grain in its time and my new wine in its season. You know, maybe you're experiencing some of this in your own life. I don't know what's going on in your life. And to be, you know, truthfully, I don't really need to know unless you need counseling or you need some help. We'll be there for you. But maybe God is speaking to you this morning. You know, maybe you've been messing around, fooling around, and uh, maybe you've left off really serving the Lord. And they really, you know, you're being here this morning, you're just really going through the motions. And you've lost, lost the emotion of your walk and your relationship with the Lord. And my new wine in its season, and I will take back my wool and my linen given to cover her nakedness. Now I will uncover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers, and no one shall deliver her from my hand. I will also cause all her mirth to cease, her feast days, her new moons, her Sabbaths, all her appointed feasts. And I will destroy her vines and her fig trees, of which she has said, these are my wages that my lovers have given me. So I will make them a forest, and the beasts of the field shall come and eat them. Okay, let me ask you these questions. 
Has God done anything like this in your life? Is there some famine going on? Some great need or want? Now, why has he allowed that to happen? To bring you back to himself. Don't you get it? That's the reason why. Perhaps the famine you are feeling is a famine for the word of God. You know, another minor prophet whose name was Amos actually prophesied during the same time as did Hosea. And in his book, in chapter 8, in verses 11 and 12, and it's going to be broadcast up here on the screen, you know, Israel wasn't only going through a famine of uh, temporal kinds of things, but there was a famine that was widespread as it related to the Word of God. There was a famine for want in the Word of God. Notice the way that Amos puts it. He says, Behold, the days are coming, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Verse 13, verse 12. And they shall wander for, this is the result of this. When you don't hear God's word, right? When God isn't speaking to you, you've blown him off. God says, okay, you don't want to hear the word anymore? You don't want to have a heart that responds to the, to the word? You want to harden your heart? Okay, this is going to be the result of that. You're going to wander from sea to sea and from north to east. You're going to be meandering without any direction, without any focus. You're going to be bouncing off the walls is basically the equivalent. And they shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord. But guess what? They're not going to find it. What a terrible thing. What an indictment to bring against Israel. You know, folks, let me tell you something. It's pretty dangerous when one of God's children does not want him to continue to tell him what he doesn't want to hear. He wishes God, just stop talking to me. Have you ever been in that place before? Because I don't want to be pricked in the conscience, in my conscience. So God, just do me a favor and stop talking to me. But what if he did? What if he, in fact, did stop talking to us? What would happen? You would die spiritually. Why is that? Because you see, his word is the bread that sustains the spiritual man, the spiritual woman. Jesus himself said in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 4, in verse 4, man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so thus to be deprived of that that is the word would be absolutely disastrous. You know, how privileged we are that we can come into a church like this one. And uh, we're small in number, but nevertheless, man, you know, what a privilege it is to be able to, to come. And, and, you know, in some large churches, we don't they don't have the advantages that we do in the smaller church. You know, week in and week out, being ministered to from God's Word, breaking it down, finding the personal applications of it, the warnings, the lessons, the encouragements, the healings, the counsel, right? There's a great emphasis on that here at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We are really a privileged group of people. And I'm so thankful that God gives me all of these insights and I have all of these wonderful resources available to me that I can pass along to you. This is something that God has put on our heart. And uh, if that wasn't so, you wouldn't, you wouldn't continue to stay here, right? Because you know, you've been here for a while now and you, you know what is true. You know what is false. You know what church is really all about. You know what Christianity is all about. You know the things that are important and the things that are not important. You've come to receive of the Lord and not to be entertained, right? This isn't some concert that's gone on here this morning where someone stands before you and uses jokes and you know other things to entertain you or whatever, and you leave here feeling really good about yourself, but you haven't been dealt with. Your sin hasn't been dealt with. You know, you haven't been exhorted. 
You haven't been challenged. In some cases, you haven't been flat out rebuked. Folks, that's what church is, right? All of you right now are in counseling. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know, someone says, Pastor Mike, you know, how much time do you spend in counseling? Well, just about in every service, you know. And uh, the truth of the matter is each and every one of you right now are in counseling, whether you knew it or not. Isn't that true? You don't have to set up an appointment. All you have to do is come out to one of our services. And basically, if we were in our office, whether you were with Pastor Jose in counseling or myself or Will or any of our elders and stuff, you would hear the very same thing that I'm sharing with you this morning. Isn't that true? I mean, there wouldn't be anything different, right? This, this, I mean, this is it. Here's, our, here's your seminar. Here's the, here's, the, here's the book. Here's the great book of counseling right here, the Bible. So... It's dangerous when one of God's children does not want him to continue to tell him what he doesn't want to hear. He wishes he would stop talking. But we're negligent. We're no longer feeding off of that bread that sustains the spiritual man, the spiritual woman. To be deprived of that bread would be disastrous. Now, there's one more example of this in the scriptures, which is probably more familiar to you than was Hosea, and that is the parable of the prodigal son, right? Which fits perfectly here if you think about it. In Luke's Gospel in chapter 15, let me set this up for you, okay? Here's a young fellow, and we can, I think we can all relate and understand this. Dad was rich, and he was very wealthy, and so uh, he had two sons. And the younger of the sons, he, he knew that he stood in line to inherit a great sum of money when after his father passed. But he didn't want to wait. You know, he was, he was sort of uh, enticed by what that money might be able to provide for him to enjoy. He had the world before him, and that money was going to be used to enjoy it all. And so he went to his dad, and he asked for the inheritance. And so dad gave him the inheritance. If I was the dad, I would have never given him the inheritance. And I would have said, forget it, man. And uh, you're going to have to wait. But nevertheless, uh, he did. And he took that money, which is obviously a great sum of money, and everybody was drawn to him. You know how that goes, right? You got money, you're on a roll, you're partying, and uh, all of the you know, people jump on your bandwagon. All of a sudden, you got a bunch of leeches around you, you know, because they're kind of bathing in, the, uh, in all of the fun and all of the things and the crazy, the revelry and all of the things that money uh, can bring and, and uh, cause you to enjoy. And I'm not going to lie to you. There's pleasure in sin for a season, right? But now the money is gone. And you turn around and where are all the bandwagon people and all the leeches? And they've left you, right? Because now all of the money is gone. But anyway, picking up on the, in the story, in Luke's Gospel in chapter 15, verses 14 through 19, but when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land. Now, here you go, another famine, right? Do you think that God may have used that famine to get the prodigal son attention? I think so. And he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country because he didn't have any more money, so he had to make his way. He had to find a way to make some money just to live. And he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. Think about it, right? He, he went from a place of being a prince in his dad's home to feeding the pigs their slop. You know, think about that, right? But that's what sin and the allurement and the enticement of sin will do to you. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods or the slop 
that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, and wasn't that the purpose of that in the first place? God help us that we would come to ourselves, that God would get our attention. He's been shaking us. He's bringing the irritation into our lives. And all of a sudden, I come to myself. I come to my senses. I realize God is trying to get my attention. And when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. So this is, what he gonna, this is what he's going to do. Finally, I will arise and go to my father. Maybe that's what some of us need to do. And again, this is just between you and the Lord. Maybe you need to go back to your heavenly father. Maybe you've, uh, you've taken your inheritance and you spent it on riotous living. And now you've woken up one day face down in a pig's pen, right? And you're thinking, what am I going to do now? And all of a sudden it dawns on you. You come to your senses. I know what I need to do. I'm going to go back to my heavenly father. And we'll say to him, Father, I have sinned. In other words, repentance. I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. How many times have you felt that way when you've blown it? You know, but you're going to nevertheless throw yourself up on the mercy of God. You know, God, I've blown it. I've blown it royally, and I'm ashamed of what I've done, and, and uh, I'm going to make my way back to you, but I, I really don't expect, you know, to have the same kind of a relationship that I once had with you. I don't know if you're even going to ever even accept me uh, ever again as a son, but nevertheless, I'm just going to throw myself upon your mercy. Just, you know what? Rather than a son, just make me one of your hired servants. And then in verse 20, I didn't give you a verse 20. But if you read on in the story, you know that as he's making his way back, to his surprise, in the distance, he sees this figure standing on the very same road that he's traveling. Guess who that figure was? It was his dad, who was anxiously waiting for his son's return. And immediately before the prodigal son could utter those words, you know, just make me a hired servant, what does he do? He reinstates and reinstores him to complete sonship. He places the robe and the signet ring upon his hand, and he cries out for this great feast to be made. He's restored immediately to sonship. That's what God the Father does when we come back to him in repentance. Listen, gang, it's only one step back. You may feel as if right now that you've, you know, you've swayed from God. You may feel right now that you're a million miles away from God, that for you, you can't return. Listen, it's only one step back. So you're in a far country. You've wandered from your father. You squandered your wealth on riotous living. You've sinned. What do you need to do? You need to turn. You need to go home because there's a father ready to receive you who will joyfully provide for you again. Listen, gang, the pinch of want is never pleasant, but it is a gift to us to bring us to our senses. One last cross-reference in the 119th Psalm in verse 67. The psalmist declares, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now, because of the affliction, I keep your word. Listen, gang, may God awaken our consciences to that same kind of obedience. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be. Oh, my when you look back at your life, what moments stand out to you? 
there are probably some pretty great ones, getting married, having kids, graduations, and celebrations. But I imagine there are also a few you'd rather not remember. The ones that come back to run through your head at night as you try to fall asleep. When we take a look at the stories of some of the Genesis characters, we see it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly. These people you meet made their fair share of mistakes, but that didn't disqualify them from being used by God. God built a nation from human beings who were far from perfect. And guess what? He wants to use you too. God has a plan for your life, and you can faithfully follow Him in the way He has made for you. You can be forgiven of your sins and start fresh, remembering the faithfulness of God since the beginning of time. We're so glad we got to spend time with you today in the Word with Pastor Mike Venizio and in my Father's house. This program is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Midtown Manhattan. Check us out online at harvestnyc.org. There you'll find service times and our easy-to-find location. We have easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. Come by and see us. If you aren't close enough to drop by, you can find links to our online streaming and more on our website, harvestnyc.org. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. Thank you for joining us today. We're out of time for now, but come back and feast on the Word with us next time in My Father's House. Oh, my heart, not be troubled.